Hey everyone, it's Daniel Elwood and Robert Johnson, The Last Nighters, and The Last Nighters are part of the Launchpad Media, where they're always launching new ideas in your direction. Check it out at thelaunchpadmedia.com. The is important in the URL, so it's www.thelaunchpadmedia.com. People have been uh, letting us know that, hey, the website doesn't seem to work, so you got to have the the in there, right, Robert? Something Those like are important. Words, use your words properly, people. Use your words properly, and we are going to use our words wisely and properly. And butcher vanished mm. on this episode 70 of the show because wherever there's injustice, wherever liberty is threatened, we will not die like dogs. We will fight like lions. And we are the Dos Amigos tonight. This is our yeah, that should be our that should be our permanent intro. That's fantastic. I love it. I you know I might I might pull the snippet out and uh, repurpose that. Repurpose that. Why not? Why not? We'll culturally appropriate uh, that script. Our own content. Yeah. So this uh, episode 70, lastnighters.com slash 70 will be the show notes page. Um, we did some pre-show. We will also do some post-show. So that's going to be available at lastnighters.com slash Patreon. And if you want to support the show in non-monetary ways, and in fact, ways that will actually help get us more notoriety and, and more earballs, spread the message of liberty and whatnot, do the, uh, do, the, do the right thing. Support us via subscribing on iTunes and giving us a review there. So go to iTunes, look for Last Nighters podcast and leave us a review that helps get our traction going and, and gets us recommended to other people. So I don't want to get too much further into that because we're derailing the show already. And we usually do the Google description. I do want to throw a twist because it is Cinco de Mayo. And the twist is this. I will read the, the Google description, but also the physical DVD package because I had to go back to the olden times, like it's 1916, and get a physical disc to, <laughs> to be able to watch this one. So, uh, Robert... Any, any comments prior to my read of the description? Because now it's it's gone sideways. Market failure. Market failure that we weren't able to get this digitally. So therefore, we need state intervention to make a law requiring all films made available on digital streaming platforms. Get it done, Trump. Come on, let's go. Right. And I think it's an IP thing that, that prevents this from happening because it actually is available in streaming form via rental only, not for purchasing, which is kind of a... I have not encountered a film like that in uh, in the past so it's a it's a it's a unicorn really right. so here we go uh three amigos 1986 adventure comedy film an hour and 45 minutes 6.5 on the imdb 46 percent rotten tomatoes and 52 percent metacritic so generally speaking the critics don't like it but 89 percent of the google users do the description is three cowboy movie stars from the silent era dusty bottoms played by chevy chase lucky day steve martin and Ned Niederlander, Martin Short, are fired when one of their movies bombs. In what seems to be a career-saving offer, young Mexican woman Carmen, Patrice Martinez, offers them a high-paying gig in her village. The three jump at the opportunity, expecting to do their typical act, but Carmen believes they are really heroes and asks them to rid her village of a bad guy, El Guapo. Came out December 12, 1986. The director is John Landis. Box office, $39.2 million. This is one of those uh, earlier... Saturday Night Live inspired films that uh, had Lorne Michaels involved. And of course, uh, Chevy Chase, Steve Martin, and Martin Short, I believe, were all uh, featured on Saturday Night Live back in one of the golden eras, probably the second golden age of Saturday Night Live. And uh, Robert, any comments before I read the physical disc? Is it significantly different? I must, because that's like a promo type style, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. This is, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. This is going to be much better. But I, I want to get your take on on uh, the Google information before we get to the you know the marketing speak here. Well, I could see how this movie wouldn't sit so well with the critics. I mean, I don't know if we're talking about critics from yesteryear or current day critics, because current day critics are you know have that social justice cancer and brain cancer, and they're always looking for representation and problematic things. They can't just sit back and enjoy a film anymore. It's all got to be done through the lens of social justice. So. Whereas your average viewer doesn't really pay attention to that bullshit so much. They're far more aligned with just, hey, did I like that movie? Yep, cool. It was supposed to entertain me. It was supposed to make me laugh and it did that. So I'm down. But then the critics are dissecting it for, well, this is problematic here. And I don't see any black people in this movie. So that gets dinged a couple of points. And I mean, it's just ridiculous. But that's where we're at in this world today. Yeah, it's a sad state of the world, you know, where whatever happened to sticks and stones, you know. The, the words will never hurt me. Apparently, the words are now violence, and it's all it's all backwards. It's backwards land, really. It is the upside down we live in. All right. Well, let's read the the archaic uh, tablet here. 
the old scrolls of uh, a tablet. Is it the papyrus? <laughs> DVD package. It's uh, recycled plastic. The Three Amigos are a silent screen comedy act who have seen better days. So has a remote Mexican hamlet that is being terrorized by a fierce gang of banditos. Finally, in desperation, a naive villager sends the actors a telegram asking for help. Thinking they're being offered a fortune for a personal appearance, the hapless trio arrive in Mexico, only to discover this time they're dodging real bullets. Starring Steve Martin, Chevy Chase, and Martin Short, and directed by John Landis, who also did Animal House and Trading Places. This uproarious comedy centers on three lovable bumblers who are in way over their heads, but come out, but come what may, they'll always remain the three amigos. All right. Not too bad. Not too, Not too bad. Yeah, get you fired up to watch it. So since this movie is a comedy, it kind of gets a pass from me for its ridiculous premise. It's it hinges upon this main Mexican lady being a complete idiot and walking into a movie theater and thinking it was real. Like this was like the news that they were watching and that these people could actually come and help you and that these were real gunfighters. And she's seen real gunfighters. She's seen El Guapo and his band of banditos. I, I don't know how she could confuse the two. The three amigos and the banditos of El Guapo's gang look quite different. One looks very real and the other ones are all dolled up in their dancing gear or whatever, but... Heavy makeup, lipstick. Yeah. Some special effects work in there. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, it's as long as you get the action going, I'm on board. I mean, this, like we said, this movie mirrors Seven Samurai, Magnificent Seven, probably other things that have aped this. It's a very common trope of... I don't know if it's a trope necessarily, but it's a common story of we're in trouble. We can't rely on the government. Although in this movie, she doesn't even try to go to the government. She, her one attempt to get help is into this seedy dive bar with all these guys that are like, one of them tries to like molest her when, when, when he offers to help. In the Cantina del Baracho. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I appreciate, you know, seeking outside of government to help, but you are being robbed for this tax money to pay for protection supposedly from the government so they should be doing something of a job but apparently santa poco is too remote and there's no such thing there i don't know whatever we take it in this universe this is a universe with a singing bush and an invisible man and what is it like a talking turtle and singing horses so none of this makes sense if it made you laugh it works yeah now i have a little bit of a reaction to what you've said so far i think that the the, the era in which this is depicting 1916 period of time, movies were still relatively new at, at that time. And, and I think if she's from this tiny little Santa Poco village and has traveled to this other village and maybe is experiencing watching a film for the first time or one of her first times, it might seem like, oh, this is this is a real thing. So I give her a pass on that. OK, wait, now, hold up. You're, you're right about that. I, I, there are stories of like the first time an audience saw a moving picture of like a train coming at the screen. Everybody like dove out of the way because they thought it was really happening. Because yeah, you're right. You don't, this is all new to you. But I still think my criticism stands about the three amigos being tough guy hombres that you're going to bring in to fight El Guapo and his banditos. That's not happening. <laughs> all right, I'll, I'll give you that one as well. Now you mentioned some other films that this is a bit of a takeoff of uh, Seven Samurai, The Magnificent Seven, etc. I would... Also posit that the movie we did last week with Anarchist Mom, it's it's basically the same story. And I, I didn't realize it at the time, but in watching this, you've got these actors who people think that they're really the heroes via the historical documents or the movies in the movie theater. And they ask them to come help, and then they do help. And there's not as much of the leading them on as Tim Allen does in Galaxy Quest, but you do have that moment where Lucky Day and, and Dusty Bottoms do think that they're playing a show and they appear to have been effective in the very first moment where the, the three banditos are there trying to get more tequila. And so the, the whole town's like happy for them and like, oh, you, you've saved the day and they're, you're big heroes. So this is like Galaxy Quest, but, you know, 10 years before, 13 years before. Right. In just a different setting and funnier than Galaxy Quest. I, I love that too. It's, it I is funnier. Galaxy Quest, even though it was ridiculous and silly, it was playing off the Star Trek tropes, whereas this played off all kinds of silly Western tropes and just threw in some random craziness. Like with the, with the whole chanting uh, a thing to summon the Invisible Man guy at the burning bush and all that. Yeah, the singing bush. Yeah, yeah, it's really like 
I don't know, like mythological, biblical quest type stuff for our heroes. Like as if they couldn't just ask somebody in that town they were in where Santa Poco is and or where Santa, weren't they, didn't, oh, maybe the people in Santa Poco didn't know where El Guapo was. Was that, was that what the case was? Right. Yeah. Yeah. They didnn't know where his base of operations was. Okay. Okay. I'll give him a pass. I, I also felt like the, um, the singing bush and the invisible swordsman were kind of out of place. Like it didn't seem necessary to do that. And it, it wasn't even like playing up that much of a joke, except when they accidentally killed the uh, invisible man. Oh, it definitely seemed out of place. It was in the middle of the movie and nothing leading up to that would make you expect such a, a ridiculous scene and nothing afterwards is anything like it. It's almost like they just threw in this weird scene. It's almost like, you know, it was written by somebody else, but then the three SNL character guys, actor guys were like, what if we did this? And then the writer's like, oh, really? Do you want to do that? And they're like, yeah, we're doing it. And they're like, okay. <laughs> we're not we're not doing this movie unless we do this awesome scene. And the writer's like, okay, all right, whatever. I think it's fine because it made me laugh. I, any movie... With the talking turtle and singing horses, I'm on board. See, I, I thought it was a stump speech by uh, AOC when the horses were singing. Remind me what they say. Oh, it's just it's how their mouths look. You know, she's got the horse face. Oh, okay. All right, I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah, it's not what they say. It's I think of her as crazy eyes, but I guess she does kind of have a bit of a horsey face. Yeah, I mean, the dancing video, I mean, that's kind of all right. But, you know, she's not talking and you don't see her, her horse teeth or whatever. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Uh, speaking of, of funny scenes, we talked about the the naive uh, Mexican woman going to the uh, Cantina del Baracho to look for gunfighters. And she gets turned down after that one guy advances on her. And then as they're leaving, she walks by a Mexican policeman and there's some soldiers in the background and they just walk right by them. So you're right. They didn't like look to their own government for help. But later on at the, at the Cantina, the German guy shows up and he is a tough dude who ends up shooting the, the guy who had molested the girl or advanced upon her and a few other people displaying how ruthless he is. And he warns them that some of his friends are going to show up later and that you'll know who they are just by seeing them. And so in this situation, walk the three amigos and everyone believes that they are these ruthless killer guys. And it's in that context where they sing the Buttercup song and they do the, the sing and dance number and everyone's like, they mm -hmm. point to them and say, you sing now. And the people singing are like, if we don't do this, they're going to kill us. Right. And so I thought that that was like amazingly well done and hilarious because if, if all these people believe that they are these uh, psychotic killer types, but now they're acting so glib and they're even more terrifying. Yeah, it's even more terrifying because you're like, holy shit, these guys are <laughs> like so ruthless that uh, that they're psychos, you know, like. They, they just do whatever they want and they, they could be ridiculous and, and dance like ballerinas or whatever they're doing and singing little numbers. And uh, I, I thought that scene actually played really well. It did. It was a great case of mistaken identity. And then you have these three clueless amigos that are so dumb, they don't know what the word infamous means and just playing it up and not even paying attention or noticing that everybody's afraid of them. It's great. Yeah, because they thought infamous meant uh, more famous than famous. Right. And that's a result of the telegram. Let's talk about this for a moment because this, this is a sticking point for me. She sends this telegram that fully explains, or she initially tries to get a full explanation out. And she's offering 100,000 pesos that she does not have. So that's another issue. But she doesn't even have the money to pay for the full telegram. So then the guy like pairs it down, parses it down to like the 10 peso message. And because of this misunderstanding of what infamous means, the guys think it's, oh, come and do your act down here and we'll pay you a bunch of money. And so there's that miscommunication. But right. the whole idea of her offering them money, knowing that they'll turn it down, I felt that was a bit uh, on the fraudulent end. Absolutely. This was a, a, a contract arrived to in bad faith on her part. It's one thing to offer a great deal of money. It's another thing to play on someone's sympathy and be like, hey, we're a very poor village and we're being... A constantly threatened and attacked by this guy would you be willing to help now if it, she does that of course the movie doesn't happen because the three amigos aren't real gunfighters but i yeah i think that's she commits fraud in that situation so if the amigos do take the money at the end or whatever they have they're fully within their contractual rights to do so but yeah, yeah it's not even close to what what had originally been offered right yeah and then uh, another part of the the setup is that the amigos after their 
bit of a failure of a movie. They challenged the studio head. And I guess they'd been working for free or no pay, but they were put up in a mansion and they were provided clothing. And They're basically like a boy band from the 80s and 90s. They're not right. given any money. They're just given stuff to use and live on. Right. And then uh, the studio director or the studio owner, who is Joe Montaigne, who I, I have heard the name a bunch of times, but I couldn't tell you what he looks like until I saw this movie. It's one of those names that you hear and then you never put the face to the name. Right. But you've seen him in a dozen movies. Yeah. He's like a character actor type. Anyway. Totally. And Lovitz is in this movie, too, in the very beginning with with the studio scene. And Phil Hartman. Oh, yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah, and it's it's great. Uh, they're the three of them are, are hilarious in this scene, but the the boys have a big head because they think that there's the they're they are these famous actors, and so they begin to challenge the studio head. And the studio says, "You know, I'm not taking any of this crap. You live in the mansion now, not anymore. Take their clothes, you know." And so when they break back into the studio to get their clothes, my wife was like, "Well, Robert's going to want to talk about that because they're <laughs> in stealing property." They are stealing studio property. Well, I mean, it kind of depends. We're talking about if the, 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 the amigos claim that the clothes were gifts, but clearly it depends on, are they only wearing these clothes on the set? Are they part of their wardrobe for the movie? Or are they given these clothes, you know, to take home and do whatever with? We're not really told of that situation. But if the amigos thought that they were just taking, reclaiming their own property back, then I would say that's some kind of a miscommunication, which this movie is all about miscommunication. But clearly the studio thought that the clothing was their property. Right. And when they break back in, they, they don't steal like the clothes that they were wearing in the meeting, you know, like the jumper or derby suit or whatever the heck it was. But they, oh, go they were get... wearing different clothes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're wearing like dapper type clothing, you know, like suits, bow ties, knickers, that kind of a thing. And then they go and steal their costumes from oh, the three okay. Oh, like, okay. So they're definitely stealing then. Yeah. Yeah. It seems to me. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and my, <laughs> I don't mean to bring you up into this, honey, but she was like, well, Robert's going to be like, I'm supposed to like these guys. And here they are right up <laughs> stealing. My protagonists are stealing. That does sound like something I would say. I mean, in her defense, <laughs> creating yeah. unlikable characters. I need to be able to like them. Right. But, but they are, those darn amigos still are likable, I think, despite all of the things that they do. Well, they're because so stupid. They're so dumb, yeah. Right. And, and help, but you can't just hate somebody who's like totally dumb. I mean, who watches like Forrest Gump and is like, man, I hate that guy. You just can't. Oh, man, I saw this terrible meme. You know, you, you, you see these memes that go around. Um, there's like for a while, for a few weeks, it's like the hot meme. And so yeah. the one right now is like, oh, feeling cute. Thought I might do X. I don't know that one. All it's I like know a, is the Clown World one. That's my most recent meme. Yeah, the Clown World one is, is new. And, and that's like a 4chan type thing. But this is like um, someone taking a selfie and it says, oh, feeling cute. Thought I might do something really horrific later. And so that's mm. kind of the they'll put like the most horrific thing you can think of. OK, so speaking of Forrest Gump, oh, man, I, I don't even know if I could say this. Why are uh, you saying this? Because it's on top of mind. Do it. Just do it. Rip the bandaid off. So it's Jenny from Forrest Gump standing by the bus. And am I going to cry? No, but it says it says uh, feeling cute. Thought I might give a retard AIDS later. Jesus. I don't know. Maybe, you know, whatever the meme is. Right. I know it's like, it's terrible, right? Anyway, that's Forrest Gump. And we're talking about Three Amigos. So <laughs> Nicely done, Daniel. I'm just paraphrasing a meme. <sighs> that's brutal. <laughs> that's funny. Brutal. Uh, it's a mail plane. So what did you think about the guys talking about how they would uh, use their share of the money? And Steve Martin and Chevy Chase are like, oh, I'd buy a, a super nice car and like show the studio owner that, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm a great guy. Or the other one's like, oh, I'll just, you know, I'll move to Paris and have wine, women, and song and, you know, just blow all the money for a while, living rich. And then Martin Short's character is like, well, I thought I might open up a uh, homeless shelter for kids. <laughs> and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we, we, we'd do that, too. Uh, yeah, you, you know, when you're hanging out with your buddies and you think it's one thing and then one guy's like pulls the virtue signal card and then everybody's like, oh, yeah, yeah, me too. That's, that's totally what I would do. I mean, when in reality, as long as you're, you know, I mean, they're just all satisfying their desires, their individual wants and desires. So I don't necessarily judge one of their virtues as more than the other. Yeah. But the the world's a social justice think that all, you know, extra money should just be given to other people. Right. And even when it is given, then then it's criticized that, oh, you gave it to the wrong thing. Sure. So like the Notre Dame fire was a few weeks ago and 
people are upset because they're saying, oh, uh, over a billion dollars was donated to rebuild this. And they're like, that money could have solved world hunger or something. And, you know, my response is, what, you, what about everyone, like, two meals? Uh, you know? But anyway, the, um, but, you know, so, so all this money is voluntarily donated to this thing, and then it gets criticized that they donated it to the wrong thing. Meanwhile, the Avengers Endgame movie, which we were talking about the pre-show, made roughly that same amount of money in like a weekend. And yet no one criticizes that. Right. You could all those people could have spent all that money feeding homeless people. Why didn't they? Right. And then horrible people, I guess. And we talked about this uh, uh, recently, forget which episode, but basically 80 to 90% of the tax money that's taken from people and then is supposed to be devoted towards solving, you know, problem A, B or C, only 10% of that money actually makes it to the recipients of that situation. And so 80 to 90% is just wasted. Right. And, you know, regardless of how you want to spend your money, it's going to make you happy. It's going to improve your life. And it you earned it. You have every right to find pleasure however you wish with the results of your labor. I mean, yeah, you could probably say Ned's plan is probably going to give him a little more, I don't know, good feeling about himself, a little more feeling virtuous and whatever. But however you choose to spend your money is none of my business. That's the important thing. You son of a motherless goat. Well, you're not wrong. Now, that's a saying that in our circle of friends, you and me and uh, your cousin, we would say that, I think, fairly often, especially your cousin. Yes. And it wasn't until watching this last night, I was like, that's where that's from. I thought he was referencing the um, Adam Sandler. Like Waterboy uh, or Billy Madison or something? No, he, he came out with a comedy CD. Oh, like right. And he's like, they're all going to laugh at you, I think. Yeah. And they do have a goat. Yeah. You're right. He's tied to a post and they're like button hooking him and throwing, you know, throwing he's a He's tied to the back of a truck, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I thought that was from that, but no, it's, it's from the three amigos. So anyway, little side anecdote from our, mm, our personal history. I like it. Oh, great. Real bullets. Real bullets. You're in a lot of trouble, mister. <laughs> Let's talk about Steve Martin for a little bit. Has he had gray hair like his entire, entire life? The entire time he's been famous? Yeah. I think he just first started getting famous like in the, mid 70s and he was definitely heavy salt and pepper a little more salt than pepper so yeah he's just been straight gray and he's still i mean you gotta hand it to him i mean he's probably what in his 70s now he's gotta be but he looks like he's you know in his 40s or 30s because he's always had gray hair he's smart yeah so he's like he's like the dick clark uh, slash ryan seacrest but he's always a more advanced age right like they always seemed younger than they were like way younger but he's always seemed like a little bit older until now he is now surpassed that age. Right. Like Dick Clark went with the uh, just for men always, you know, dyeing his hair like Brown, but Martin was like, ha ha. And I one up you went totally gray early. So he'll just look ageless forever till one day he falls down dead. I think it's a good way to go. You know, smart. You're thinking ahead. Yeah. And he's got this uh, long career where Steve Martin looks like Steve Martin looks like Steve Martin. Right. Like, He's got that look. He doesn't like transform over over time. He doesn't age really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a smart uh, branding move. It's good marketing. It's excellent brand awareness. He's also uh, a bit of an accomplished author. Uh, I read one of his books back in college, and it was uh, pretty deeply insightful. And good segue into um, when uh, El Guapo's men capture him when they break back into the into the compound. He's like. You guys just need to have a representative democracy. We'll have three equal branches of government and you won't have to live under this tyrant's thumb. You'll be able to own property because our, you know, that government will protect your rights to be able to have that. And you'll have nice little uh, band or bambinos on the beach. Right. But what does he say just before that, Daniel? Do you remember? Uh, I got to use our brains. Damn it. No, he goes, all land will be di- redistributed among the people. Oh, yes. Equally among the people. Yeah. Yes. Yes. What does that sound like? Sounds what like happens to the previous landowners? Yeah, it sounds like what they're doing in uh, South America. Uh, like Allende, before Pinochet deposed him, he was redistributing the land. Yeah. And what's happening in modern day South Africa, I believe, where they're taking land from the Boer farmers. Yes. Yeah. And when they redistribute this, it, it doesn't go to the people who value it, you know, in an economic sense to be most useful. It's uh, political decisions and and basically gaming that causes all sorts of disruption. Right. And how do you equally justably, you know, justifiably redistribute all this land? Like who's going to do it? It's going to be some council. They're going to make decisions or just everybody going to get the exact same amount. Right. As if as if the same amount of land is the same everywhere, you know, like 
What's like, the thing in, in real two estate? Two acres local? of an oasis, and everybody else gets two acres of desert. <laughs> the two acres of oasis can be a little bit more valuable. Right, and then there's location, 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 right? Right. Like if it's near something, it's worth a lot more or more useful. Or it has that, oil under it, or a gold mine on it, or any number of things. Right, or, or how nutrient-rich the soil is, or if it has water, you know, all of those things. So, yeah, that, that really throws it off. And then, um, but yeah, and then that was one of his demands, right? Yes, and one of his demands. The second was the three branches of the government, and the third was let Carmen go unharmed. Yeah, this is nice. He's got ideas. You know, I like I like that how the first thing he says is that all land should be equally redistributed, and then he goes on to say, oh, then they're, 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 you'll have better property rights. Yeah, after we destroy your property rights. <laughs> We're going to destroy your property rights to create property rights. Okay, <laughs> that makes sense. Well, maybe it's like the reset. Like, all right, we're going to destroy it for now, and then we'll put everyone on equal footing. Right. You know, that, happen, you that know, destruction you... doesn't make any resentment. Oh, never. No. I don't see why it would. Everybody would be on board with this plan, right? You're going to do it every voluntarily, right? All right. Uh, so I, I, I have a few notes, and we've already talked about a bunch of them, but I want to make sure that we hit a couple of points. Just okay. Because yeah, let's hit them. Economic punch them out. Let's punch them out, buddy. We'll punch them out. All right. Like your dick is a pencil. All right. Well, this one's not so economic. And it's it goes back to your comment about the PC culture. Yeah. Where this movie probably couldn't be made today. The white savior. Yeah. Well, well Aguapo says in um, in releasing the Three Amigos one, they, they come clean about, hey, we're just actors. We're not really, you know, we thought this was just a show. And we didn't know this was real. And he goes, you know, they're crying. They're groveling he says el guapo only kills men he does not kill crying women <laughs> and that's i love episode. el guapo in this movie by the way he's fantastic what's a plethora jefe <laughs> she will come to me tonight or i will kill her i mean the guy's amazing perfectly played by that actor who i don't even know his name because i'm a racist allegedly just because you forgot his name that would you know qualify you these days but why do the white people go and save this town because they were asked to go there to save this town. I you mean, about the turn when Martin Short like draws the line and is like, you know, we may not actually be gunfighters, but we're here and we've got nothing to go back to. So let's be this for real. No, I'm talking about in the very beginning. Like, why do they even get called upon to do this job? Oh, that was the miscommunication. Right. The miscommunication. Right? Yeah. Anyway, I'm just saying that they were asked to be there. They weren't just like these knights in white and shining armor that, stumbled upon this poor downtrodden Mexican town, this Mexican town asked them to be there. You know what I'm saying? They weren't just like white knighting because they're white knights. Oh, I see. I see. You're, you're taking the present day PC view of them being the white savior and debunking yeah. that. Okay. Right, right, right. right. Did it, was that not clear? Was that not clear what I was saying? Well, apparently you have superior intellect and education and you're taking it out on me now. <laughs> or maybe because you've turned over 40. I'm 32. It's my 32nd birthday. Or what was it? 33rd? Close it. forget. It's 30, 33 for like the seventh time. You know. I think well, he looked a little older than 40. Just yeah. Yeah. But this is back in the 80s. People didn't age super good back then. Uh, and right after that, when um, he lets the amigos go, I know I'm jumping around a little bit, but he, says, he says a comment to the town, to townspeople. He says... You tried to hire these guys to protect you from me. And that hurts me. That hurts my feelings. It hurts his feelings, Daniel. That you would try to stop me from terrorizing you. And as a result, I will no longer offer you my protection. And I will let my men have their way with your town. Right, right. That's the ultimate, like, gaslighting. Yeah, it's a gaslighting slash mafia protection money racket. You know, like, you've upset me. You've... You know, this is this is uh, Don Corleone being like, you disrespected me, you disrespected the family, so now bad things might happen to you. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe bad things might happen. It's out of my control now. I mean, I was protecting you, and now I can't do that anymore because, you know, you disrespected me. So you hurt my feelings. And now these guys, I, can, I just can't hold them back anymore. They're going to they're gonna fuck you up. Yeah, so it's really like a micro, microcosm of, of uh, you know, a government, really. I mean, he was the de facto government. In that area. Yeah. He wanted his protection money or his protection tequila or whatever, his protection women, whatever he was getting the payment as from. And as soon as they withhold, you know, he doesn't need them anymore. Like same as in Magnificent Seven, he was constantly milking that little town for whatever they could afford to pay. You know, like they'd take most of their food, just just enough so that the town survived, but not enough 
to mount a defense against them, keep them just poor enough that they couldn't hire outside help so that when they actually did go out and outside, hire outside help, they only had a tiny little bit of money. And they were mostly playing on the gunfighters, you know, sense of honor and justice. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds very familiar. Modern day. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, an economic point, there's a, a very brief scene where the Amigos are, they, they've crossed the line in the sand and they've said, hey, we're going to be real Amigos at this time. We're going to actually go and try to protect this town and go retrieve Carmen and go and look for El Guapo. And they're traveling through a desert and they're all hot and sweaty and parched. And like Martin Short, like drinks out of his canteen and it's like just sand, like falling on him. And Steve Martin's is all empty. And Chevy Chase is like just glug, 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 spilling water everywhere. He's like, oh, done with this. Just tosses it. And the water is like seeping into the parched earth. And it, it reminds me of a, of a Rothbard point where, you know, scarcity is, is what causes the value of something to go up. And this is what um, Adam Smith couldn't figure out. It was called the, um, the water diamond paradox. It was like, well, diamonds don't have a whole lot of use, yet they're very valuable. Whereas water is necessary for life, but it's very cheap. And Smith couldn't figure this out. But it was because of the relative scarcity of each thing, especially in a given environment. So like in a desert, a very little amount of water is extremely valuable. Meanwhile, in you know a modern day city where there's water everywhere, it's very, very cheap. Indeed. Yes. I don't have anything to add to that. It's But it, the, the scene played out quite perfectly to illustrate that. Yeah. And I, I, I love Chevy Chase's... Um, demeanor in this like he's just like he's just like whatever you know he's like this slovenly wasteful guy and it, it seems like he's like the same in, in almost every movie even in community seems to be kind of the same yeah he plays a big dumb goofy bozo guy really well like he plays it in the uh, the vacation movies in the fletch movies fletch yeah spies like us i mean pretty much all the all his scenes all his movies and this is like peak chevy chase time right like late 80 or late 70s early 80s yeah, he was in, uh, what, the very first episode of Sunday Night Live. I think it was 1977 or 78. And he was the very first performer to show up on screen. Um, and then, yeah, they were doing what? Started doing movies in the early 80s, early to mid 80s. So, yeah, this is this is peak chase, I would say. This isn't necessarily his biggest movie, but this is at the peak of his powers. Yeah, and, and if I recall, I remember hearing stories about how it kind of went to his head. Like he felt like he was the star of Saturday Night Live and there was a bit of a power play situation there. And like people didn't like him on a personal level as a result because a lot of it went to his head. Very much akin to the Tim Allen character in Galaxy Quest, where the the rest of the cast like kind of resented him for taking all the fame and glory. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, I don't know if it's true or not. I haven't heard this story, but he was definitely this early one of the big shining stars of Saturday Night Live back in that day, for sure. Although, you know, uh, John Belushi and Ackroyd. Yeah. I mean, those are also some really big names. So, you know, yeah, it seems like they've gone through a, a couple of um, ups and downs Saturday night live. I, I used to describe it in the mid nineties as some of the humor was you're so tired. It's funny. Cause it was on at midnight for us. Yeah. Yeah. I remember there were usually, I would usually watch it for the weekend update, which was almost always where the good jokes were. And then, I mean, I think that was when spade, and Norm Macdonald were doing the the not at the same time, but around that time. If you you could go back today and watch old Norm Macdonald weekend updates, still really really funny. He was he had a serious edge to his comedy. Oh yeah yeah, he was talking about the O.J. Simpson one. He's like, well, apparently murder is now legal <laughs> in California. <laughs> yes, I mean, it, it, yeah, it, it's all like that. It's all that good. And uh, you know he's good when he gets fired for doing it. So um, I would always watch that. And then there would always be maybe a good sketch or two. But you could tell they either ran out of ideas towards the end. I mean, I would basically only watch when there's like a really interesting, maybe like, you know, music guest or I don't know. Yeah, I remember when uh, like Nirvana was on there. That was pretty good. Um, I liked David Spade, McDonald, Sandler, of course, um, Chris Farley. Tim Meadows, he was there, but I mean, he doesn't like stand out, but you know, he's, he's all right. Fallon and Faye, when they were doing Weekend Update in the early 2000s, I also caught a few episodes of that. Now, that was still pretty funny, but the rest of the show wasn't super good. But they also, that was when they had Farrell and he had some good stuff. So, I mean, some stars come out of some really, you know, impressive comedy stars come out of Saturday Night Live, but that doesn't necessarily mean the show was any really that good. Yeah. And I haven't seen it in so long these days, but I hear that now it's mostly Alec 
Baldwin playing Trump and like they, they try to have these like allegedly edgy digs at him. But I mean, that's that's, that's where comedy, the, safest, the safest comedy ever. Yeah. Comedy has devolved into that. And Orange like, Man every, bad. yeah, everything's about Trump being bad. Uh, you know, I, I noticed this the other day. Um, I'm in the, uh, the Dave Smith part of the problem group and someone was like, hey, I want to share the Libertas special with someone. Is that cool, Dave? You know, Dave's like, yeah, sure. Whatever. You know, you don't have to pay for it. And I was like, oh, I just listened to it on Amazon Prime. So I posted in the group and yeah, it's it's available free on Amazon Prime except for one track. For whatever reason, this one track is too hot for Amazon or whatever. You got to like pay for this one. It's like 90 seconds long. Hmm. <laughs> and it's it's the one called Trump is Hitler. Oh, apparently, apparently that's the one they make you pay for. And I wonder if it's because all other comedy is basically the same as that. And so they're like, well, this this fits into normal comedy zone. So we're going to charge for that. The rest of it on the house this is this is something that everybody else would want to hear the rest of it's kind of garbage i don't know i really don't know i don't know if he has something to do with that or not yeah i don't know i it's 90 seconds i'm sure i could find it somewhere oh uh, sure but yeah it's it's whatever it's 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 weird it's the state of comedy is is really really bizarre these days and you know back in the uh the olden day you know the royal court type system where you had to really watch what you had to say, but the court jester could speak truth, but as long as they were funny, right? They, but it had a, had a bit of a pass, and you saw that in um, you know stand up comedy in the seventies and eighties, and even into the nineties. You know Richard Pryor and Eddie Murphy and and all those, and now the now the comedy specials are, are pretty pretty terrible. Oh, I couldn't tell you the last time I laughed watching like a Netflix special. Like you got your Amy Schumer's, and there was some quote unquote comedian that was from like Australia. And she mostly spent the time talking about how she was raped and how, I don't know. Anyway, I tried, I tried to watch part of it. It, sounds it, was, it was the uncomedy comedy special. I don't know. It was mostly just her kind of talking about how men are terrible. I didn't watch the whole thing, to be fair. Maybe maybe all of a sudden got hilarious. But from all the reviews I heard, it, it was just a, a non-thing. But well, it was all are- celebrated as a very brave thing. Moving comedy in a bold new direction where nobody laughs. Well, you are terrible. You son of a motherless goat. You're not wrong. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna say one line from the movie and have you riff from there. I'll try. Sometimes you can overplan these things. What? That was a line from the movie? Yeah, this is after Chevy Chase zip lines into the into the room where the Carmen girl is uh, held captive, and yeah. he bumbles through like knocking out one of the sentries, and he bumbles through like landing in the right spot and hiding from the guard, and like he comes up with these plans that are actually effective. And he says to her, well, she says, oh, you, you did a great job getting in here. Now what? And he said, well, that was as far as we got in the plan because we didn't think this much of it would work. You yeah, know? I like that um, the Amigos, when they're first looking at the stronghold, they're going, man, I don't know how we're going to do this. We're going to have to think about this and use our brains. And they're like, oh, no. So they basically, what do they just kind of sneak in? And then, yeah, they zip line over. And that's about all they can do. I don't think, you know, they made the... They made the Amigos great protagonists, despite just being these bumbling Mr. Magoo type style idiots. You're, I was totally on board with them the whole time. Of course, I also loved El Guapo. He was a fantastic villain. I mean, he wasn't just straight evil. He had like style and personality to him. And he loved and his he funny. He loved his men and they loved he him. Did. He, even right. loved, he loved the sweater they got him like. Yeah. Like, you pretend when, you know, grandma gives you a sweater and you pretend to like it. We seem genuinely to like it. He really did. And the idea of everybody getting together to buy him a sweater or steal it or wherever they got it and have him just be totally, I mean, these big gruff, you know, tequila swinging, swinging and like cigar smoking and gun shooting guys buying a sweater is just funny. So, yeah. Yeah. So I'll agree. Guapo Guapo is a good villain. And I I really enjoyed Jefe, his right hand man. Yeah. Jefe was hilarious. Who he, he says, I'm still here for you, Guapo. I'll never leave your, ah, he gets shot. And he even appreciates when at the in the finale that the that the amigos pulled a great trick on him. He he enjoyed that. Yeah, and he pulls a trick on them right before dying by Yeah, shoot Steve Martin in the foot. Yeah, which he's got the uh bullet armor apparently because getting shot in the arm, he's like, ow. Oh, but then he still uses his arm as if nothing's wrong. And they put a little bit of ketchup on his shirt. He's fine. There were a lot of moments in this movie where they just like cut the scene and then move on as if they landed the plane or as if, you know, whatever like miraculous thing that had to happen just happened. And I know they did that purposefully because it's a comedy and they're just like, they're doing the deus ex machina thing. 
you know, it's like, all right, well, they just got to, you know, get through this and we don't really care how we're just moving on, move on to the next thing. Yeah. It, it follows the line, the good comedy rule of if it's funny, it's okay. Right. It doesn't like, necessarily have to make sense. doesn't have to, yeah, follow any particular rules set up in the universe. If it makes you laugh, then it's in, it makes it into the cut. Like when we fought the priests or burned the village, raped the horses. <laughs> rode the women or rode the, what was it? Was it rode the women? Rode the women and pruned their hedges. <laughs> Many of their hedges in the villages. Come uh, on, man. It's funny stuff. Would you like to kiss me? What? Here? No? <laughs> <laughs> we got gringos falling from the sky. I thought that was, uh, it was good stuff. There, there was a moment uh, where Steve Martin is is chained up to these weights and he's motivating himself by positive mental thinking. Like, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. And as soon as he, he has doubt and he says, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. The weights pull him back and slam him into the wall. And uh, I don't know. I just felt like, you know, that that is part of being able to persevere through things is a positive mental attitude. You know, and thinking that you're going to make it, like visualizing. I don't know where, where I'm getting motivational from. Maybe it's like I'm, I'm three set of bases in. but. I just thought it was like a useful um, thing, like keep a positive mental attitude and, and think that you can accomplish things and it will help you get them done. Look at this. Steve Martin, motivational speaker. The Amigos, is there nothing they can't do? Nothing they can't do? And what's your El Guapo? That was a Martin Short thing. Like <laughs> Our El Guapo is the real El Guapo, but it could be. Who's trying? <laughs> but it was all about, you know, overcoming your, you know, your big challenge or big obstacle. I kept calling him it, your El Guapo. That was, that was also like, part of a motivational type thing yeah this is a what did you what did you, what did you think of the the finale the finale was ridiculous of course and it's yeah. meant to be so and it's clearly them in every in every you know, shot yeah they're over there they're over there they're over there uh, and then when the townspeople like reveal that oh it's all these townspeople that you know wearing these like shoddy knockoffs style like versions of their outfits you know it's like oh, like halloween town versions yeah and sure that's part of the joke um and it reminded me of that um is it a meme from a game there's like they're everywhere man um like aliens like game oh, over man yeah, yeah, all, yeah they're yeah. coming out of the walls and they're everywhere they're everywhere man yeah that, that's okay. what it was okay now you, you said guapo appreciated it as a trick i still don't understand like how this defeated their gang they were overwhelmed they were surrounded outgunned and they had no chance of winning okay so yeah they got a bail Okay. So why El Guapo didn't also bail, I don't know. But pride, he, man. That's pride fucking with him. Pride fucking with him. It's true. He ain't gonna let as soon as you let one little town stand up to you, then they might get it in their heads that they're all gonna stand up to you. And they'll figure out that they outnumber us and then we're fucked. Yeah, that's from ants, right? Bugs life. Bugs life. Bugs life. What what was the story in ants? Forget that now. Mm, yeah, something else. No, that was ants. That was the ants uh, feeding the grasshoppers, wasn't it? And then yeah. the bugs life was the circus, the circus uh, performers helping them. Which this movie is basically the same thing. This is a Bugs Life Galaxy Quest Magnificent Seven. Wait a seven, is it ants or Bugs Life? Ants is the one with the hopper. Okay, then the, that's then we're talking ants then. Right, and Bugs Life also has a similar type thing, right? Wait, uh, I'm mixing the two. I don't remember which is which, but we're talking about the hopper one. Whichever one is the hopper one. Right. If they ever figure out that they outnumber us, then we're fucked. And uh, Larkin Rose has a video called The Tiny Dot, which is kind of similar. He, he um, shows how many politicians there are and how many enforcers there are versus how many citizens or people who live in a certain area are. And the, the numbers are overwhelmingly, you know, stark in the country. Right. There are there's a fraction of them for every one of us. Super tiny. Like yeah, so that five percent of the people are in the ruling class, and they rule ninety-five percent, like just hundreds of millions. Yeah, if not even a bigger split, like ninety-seven-three or something. But uh, I'll post that on our show notes page, and this is uh, lastnighters.com/slash/seventy. This episode, uh, we are actually getting pretty close to the end here. So, Robert, any other notes before we get into the final summary and review action? Uh, no, we went through everything except I wrote down the joke of the uh, "I'll feel you so full that you'll be using your dick for a pencil." What do you mean? I don't know. I thought that was cute. Yeah. And that, what do you mean? Like El Guapo doesn't even know what he's talking about. And Steve Martin's like, uh, I don't know, man. I just say stuff. I think it makes sense. Right. Like, I I, yeah, of course. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's been overdone and overused, but I'm sure back in the day it killed. And this movie's yeah. still funny, even with knowing all the lines. Oh, it holds up very well. Absolutely. Yeah. And because it's, it's set in 1916, you know, it's, it's a period 
that they're the portraying it doesn't look 80s to me it looks like it could have been any time like they could have made this in the 90s or, or even 10 years ago definitely except this movie is actually funny so i don't right. know if they could have made it today or 10 years ago i think 10 years ago you might still be able to to get by the mid 2000s it wasn't so sjw crazy yet correct i i agree but you couldn't make it today oh absolutely not no no in yeah. fact i'm surprised that people aren't upset at these guys today for what they did 35 years ago right go back through all their old performances talk about how problematic they are yeah you see that like with um nfl draft picks you know some kid wrote something when they were 12 and now that now they're 20 you know and they tweeted something when they were 12 that was like mildly offensive yeah and it's getting dredged up now and so like, now they're bad people still and how dare they and they need to apologize for our hurt feelings can you imagine grown men and women talking about how a tweet from a 12-year-old hurt their feelings or they found it offensive and it really hurt their... What they really say is they're, well, I'm sure it offends the people that are offended by it. I'm not personally offended, but other people find it offensive and therefore you need to apologize. Well, why don't, why don't the people that are actually offended speak up? You never hear from those people. It's always these virtue signalers who come in white knight for some uh, imagined oppressed group that they're coming to the defense of like they know oh trust me i know these people over here they're super offended by what you oh really are you the expert on other people oh yeah you're totally the expert okay yeah but your common defense is well you're not the expert on whatever it is you're talking about you're not a woman so you can't talk about a woman thing they're totally full of hypocrisy oh and and speaking of hypocrisy um robert you and i we made an appearance with um, Keith Knight on his show, Don't Tread on Anyone, where we got to play the role of statists again, which we haven't been for quite a while. And I, I thought we did quite well. So I'm going to post that on our show notes page because I thought that was a fun appearance. And he does great work. I think we've talked him up before, but Keith Knight's Don't Tread on Anyone YouTube channel, uh, highly recommended, everyone. Yeah, for sure. That guy does good stuff. A lot of excellent arguments. If you ever want to watch his stuff and, you know, for good ammunition to defeat certain dumb arguments. All right, yep. Daniel, let's wrap this one up. What is your summary review? You can go first. All right. Well, my summary review is that wherever there's injustice, wherever liberty is threatened, we'll be there with a plethora of things to talk about. Uh, this movie, like we've said, holds up to this day. I think that the comedy is still very biting and, and hilarious. The characters are are well done. Um, it's, a, it's an enjoyable film. I, I think that there's not much that I would change in this thing. I just enjoyed it all around. And I'm going to go with a eight point Cinco on this bad boy. It's uh, highly recommended. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I'm tempted to give it a Cinco of something, but I can't give it a five. There's no way that's way too low. Yeah. This movie handles, you know, it, it the, the style of humor since the main characters are the dumb ones. I mean, they're not punching down at anybody. They're punching at themselves and it's really wacky and silly. And in the same way that like, Monty Python and the quest for the Holy Grail like stands the test of time just because of its silliness and its irreverence. This is a similar vein for me. It, it, this is a movie probably in two or three decades I can watch again and laugh. I, I don't think this is going to age nearly as badly as, you know, there's no topical humor that I could tell. Maybe there was, but I didn't notice any. It's all within the story and it all works. Even live what is just some of it's out of left field and irreverent, but yeah, man. If you're going to judge a movie, laughter is king in a comedy. And I laughed multiple times and I was smiling a whole bunch of the time. I just, I can't say anything bad about this movie. I can't. The acting is great. The, the, the comedy stylings of the three, they obviously have a lot of chemistry together. They like each other. They work well together. That, that shows, you know, their time on SNL probably working together shows. And uh, the supporting cast of El Guapo. I, I don't know if that actor went on to do other things, but he was fantastic in this. I don't know why he didn't get more work. Maybe he's doing work down in Mexico. I don't know, but he's fantastic. And uh, yeah, this is just highly recommended. I'm going to give it a 8 point... Uh, you gave it an 8 point Cinco? 8 point Cinco. I can't give it that high. It's not 8 point Cinco. Oh, come on. Come on. It's all right. All right. This is our 8 point Cinco. Dos 8 point Cinco's. Ocho Cinco's. Dos Ocho Cinco's. It's a match. We haven't had a match in quite a while. And that uh, that actor is Alfonso Arau. Okay, cool. Never heard the name before, but he's. Uh, I love him in this movie. It's great. Yeah, he's on set. And also, the music, uh, Randy Newman was the uh, the guy coming up with the music, and he played the singing bush. Oh, and fun. Yeah, it uh, plays up really well. 
So that is our episode on the Tres Amigos for Cinco de Drinko, their cultural appropriation sombreros. I'm wearing my Chivas hat for our video Patreon supporters at lastnerds.com slash Patreon. Next week, coming up next week, it's a Mother's Day episode, and yet we're going to go into the Spider-Verse and tag team a movie with Jack V. Lloyd of the Voluntarist comic and the Philosopher, I believe, will be on to talk about the animated Spider-Verse, Into the Spider-Verse movie. Fantastic film. Uh, I'm going to enjoy every minute of rewatching it. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it from us here at The Last Nighters, also part of the Launchpad Media, where you can always find new ideas getting tossed in your direction at thelaunchpadmedia.com. And uh, we'll see you guys next week where we talk about Into the Spider-Verse. Be a lot of fun and happy Cinco de Mayo, everyone. Peace out. Good night from last night. days of the internet, radical libertarians were scattered, lonely, and faceless. Without direction, they resigned to scour the web, sifting through content providers in a wasteland plagued by YouTube demonetization, Facebook jail, and covert internet censorship. But then, in 2017, the Libertarian Union was formed. Finally, the average Joe Libertarian could find a thriving community of independent podcasters and content providers, all in one convenient location. At Libertarian Union, we'll always have the latest news, interviews, discussions, and even movie reviews. With hundreds of episodes and more added all the time, you'll always find something fresh at libertarianunion.com.